Good morning. This is the Daily Wrestling News for December 15th, 2020. I'm coming to you live from Minutes to Bell Time Studios on the beautiful treasure coast of the Sunshine State. My name is Ryan Joy, and I am joined today by Travis Severance to talk about New Japan, it's Wrestle Kingdom, and follow up on our conversations prior to AEW Winter is Coming. Travis, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, not quite as beautiful and sunny outside here in Rochester, New York. We've got fluffy snow, and uh, allegedly there's some more coming. So, yeah, I'm a little jealous of the sun. The, the dogs are all nestled quietly in their bed. Yeah, she's with... she's being nice and quiet down there. She's by so right there's the furnace, so the the warm air blows, and she's she's well taken care of in that space for sure. Perfect. Until Brody Lee knocks on your window and. Could happen. Luke has has come by a couple times for sure. Yeah, All things that could happen in Rochester, New York. Mm -hmm. So today's agenda, we have the ridiculously random non-wrestling, the audience needs to know you better question of the day, followed by the rapid raw review. We've got lineups for Dynamite and Impact. We'll talk some Wrestle Kingdom and the nine matches they've got lined up so far. Hit the news, do some trivia, and get out of here. Hopefully we do that in a time-efficient manner so people can get on with their day and don't have to listen to this after they put the car in park or whatever. So let's get the show on the road. You ready, Travis? I am. All right. Let me ring the bell. The ridiculously random non-wrestling audience needs to know you better question of the day is brought to you by Free Cake, the new album from the Black Cats, available now everywhere you listen to music. And today's question, Travis, is... What's your favorite holiday treat? Favorite holiday treat. So I have a longtime manager named AJ and his mom every year for Christmas makes me a batch of this stuff that's called Heath Bar Crunch. Um, it's just amazing. It's just a layer of chocolate with this Heath Bar underneath. And uh, I get a I get a little tin tub of that every year, much to the um, um excitement of myself and everybody at work kind of looks at that and notices my tray tends to be a little bit larger than theirs. Um, (laughs) So that's the holiday treat that I end up looking forward to um, every year. So hopefully I've got more of that coming, Naomi. Like if you're listening. Yeah, I I was thinking about the peppermint bark, the little peppermint hugs, the, I mean, peanut butter trees for, you know, (laughs) the Reese's peanut butter trees. The Reese's peanut butter trees are great. Um, uh, Lindor makes uh, the the peppermint with the white chocolate little balls. I enjoy those as well in my stocking. So yeah, it's a this time of year is not really known for me watching my macros or making sure that I'm in a paleo <laughs> form for sure. Right, right. All right, well let's talk some wrestling. Uh, we had Monday Night Raw last night. Uh, we start the show with me, Miz reading a Nightmare Before TLC, which Sheamus eventually broke up. Uh, and we go directly into the Sheamus match with AJ Styles. Styles won the match in 1550. Almost helped Styles tie up Sheamus, and Styles assaulted Sheamus with a chair after the match. No help from Drew McIntyre. No, his his, uh, his fellow small island countrymen did not come in for the save there. Um, it's nice to see that Almost is getting involved a little bit more. Um, it's good to see the big man, big man is having an impact on stuff and. Uh, We'll be in, I'll be interested to see how that goes and what what happens because of that. It was they didn't you know do any kind of callback to that later in the show, um, so we'll see what's going on with the Drew Sheamus thing. I'm not sure if we're going to come out of 
you know, TLC with a, with a Seamus drew angle that we're going to see run for a little bit, but um, yeah, the no drew save was, was, I was surprised, I guess. Yeah. I, I sort of think that Drew McIntyre is going to walk out of TLC with the title. So I don't see Seamus causing an issue there, whether maybe, maybe things lead up to Seamus and Drew at Royal Rumble, or maybe Seamus wins the Rumble or, mm-hmm. or somehow comes into the February pay-per-view timeline. Not sure there, but yeah lashley alexander and benjamin got a win over hardy and the new day when lashley used the hurt lock to submit hardy in 1552 um that previews the the hurt business versus the new day match that's this week on tlc um really didn't advance the lashley and jeff hardy story so yeah not much there at all um a fairly standard match but you know it's they let off the show with bell to bell 15 minute 50 second matches like actual wrestling in good wrestling um but yeah as far as what the storyline is with that it, yeah it did we got to see a little now bit. on the subject of good wrestling mm-hmm. the next match started with oscar pumping up lana for the match in the back uh, it worked because lana got her big win over nia jackson one minute and 44 seconds yeah not the squash that i had predicted um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh unfortunately for lana Shayna Baszler was lurking and she came out and then they basically tortured her out of the match at TLC. I mean, it was pretty brutal. Yeah, that was a, an interesting segment. It was an interesting way to go. It's not what I thought we were going to see. Maybe they gave Lana the, the win so that it can flip the other way for the TLC match. I I don't know what they're doing with this. Lana was, Lana's been such a big part of that storyline. And so to have her on Monday Night Raw put her in this position where they're going to eliminate her from the picture going into a pay-per-view seems strange coming off of her being the sole survivor at survivor series. I, I'm not sure. She won a battle Royal. She was sole mm-hmm. survivor. Yeah. The story on that didn't really didn't end there though. Cause later in the night, Dana Brooke got a win over Shayna Baszler in one minute and 29 seconds. Again, Jackson Baszler jumped Brooke after the match. Mandy Rose returned. Oscar helped make the save. And so what we're faced with now is going into TLC You've got Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax defending the titles against Asuka and a mystery partner. Logic would sort of dictate that it's either Rose or Brooke, but that's not necessarily the case. We've got uh, rumors around about Eva Marie. We've got Charlotte Flair. So um, who knows what's going to happen there. But if they bring in anybody strong, then they're going to have to have Asuka and that person win. So I'm not sure what their what their plan is. Yeah, it seems... It seemed- pretty easy and pretty chalky to me when Lana was in the picture, bring them out. Okay. They could either win and have a little bit of a run there or not. I mean, it's interesting to see Jackson Baszler essentially get squashed in, you know, three minutes of work total. Um, but yeah, it, it, you're right. If they bring out somebody strong, then they have to flip the belts to them. And I don't know if that's happening unless they're going to run Jackson Baszler blow up already, which I'm surprised they kind of lasted as long as they did, but maybe we see that too. Um, I don't know. So Elias is back, and he has uh, Jackson Riker with him. Our truth came to the ring, and Riker beat up everybody in the 24-7 division, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miz and Morrison got a win over Keith Lee in 9 minutes and 59 seconds. I'm really not sure why that happened, um, but it did. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. Miz has got to be on TV every hour, and Keith Lee <laughs> looked strong during the match and then lost. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what's going on there, but 
So Bray Wyatt agreed to play a game of hide-and-seek with Randy Orton. It played out over several segments. Eventually, Randy set a trap for Bray with a little rocking chair that Bray likes to sit in. Uh, Randy tossed Bray into a box and set the box on fire, and then The Fiend emerged to take Randy out with the mandible claw. So Travis, the, the Fiend is known for having pretty bad matches, even though he's a huge fan favorite. Randy Orton is sort of as good as he wants to be, always. So what kind of match are we getting at TLC? Is it going to be crap? Yeah, so, so history dictates, if, if I go by history, um, even though The Fiend has not had the greatest wrestling matches, um, the Bray Wyatt-Randy Orton matches, if you looked at those as a series, have been very solid. I think that Randy has made Bray look as good of a wrestler as he possibly can. And they for, for having similar styles in terms of being devious wrestlers, for whatever reason, both of them pull off their same characters pretty well in their matches. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Are we going to see a red fiend match? Are we going to go back to that? Like, I mean, if we hearken back to uh, the fiend stuff has been fiend versus Seth Rollins is, is kind of an all time low. Um, so what are we going to see and how do we come out of this and what happens? I don't know. I think we're going to see bliss show up. I think there's going to be some, some stuff with her that ends up happening in the match because she was not on the show at all this week. Um, I don't think that that, that she's going away, especially with how much of a part of it she was two weeks ago. Um, so she's, she's going to play a role for sure. For sure. So retribution had the next segment with Mace getting a win over Ricochet. Uh, what I found interesting here was that they made reference to Samoa Joe sitting in Mace's seat. Of course, alluding to the fact that, of course, Mace is Dio Madden, who used to be a commentator on Raw. Um, they're blurring those lines. Like initially, initially, I thought they were trying to make it so like we were supposed to not know who the people were. Now it seems like yeah, you are supposed to know who they are, and they're mad at us type of thing. So yeah, I it's, it's. I mean retribution gets a win that's newsworthy <laughs> man they've gotten their tails kicked so many times on the show and like boy i'm like this is the weakest invasion faction i've ever seen in my life um yeah i i don't know i think they probably got a little lost in the sauce with retribution as far as like how they were gonna book them and what they were gonna do with them and i think um going back in that direction and kind of revealing doing a reveal for each of them makes makes some sense to me um because it gives oh. you it gives you a reason for them to be the character that they are, and you can go back to what happened with him in his last segment as an announcer and go, okay, that makes sense why I was annoyed at WWE. I got yeah. destroyed on TV in that segment. So, yeah, yeah. You, giving a little bit more reason behind their motivation rather than we're just here to take down the thing makes a whole ton of sense. Yep, agreed, agreed. And they can do something easily with with me again, mm -hmm. I think as well. Oh, without without a doubt, yeah. She had, I mean, whether you say that. She didn't get the war game spot that she should have gotten, or whatever the case may be. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you can do with them, and 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 it's a. I'm happy that this is the direction that they decided to take to kind of save this thing because up until the most recent couple of things they've done with this, it's it's felt a little bit like the Dark Order to me, and a little bit, and you know, it's good that they're kind of having a redemptive thing. So we'll sure. see what happens. So the final match of the evening um, on the subject of squash matches. Riddle got Riddle beat MVP in 48 seconds with a floating bro. So not much to say there, but the show concluded with WWE Championship Ascension Ceremony, which culminated with Miz Morris and AJ Styles teaming up to beat up Drew. AJ stood tall at the end of Raw. That's it. That's Raw. <laughs>
That is raw. All right. So that's what happened yesterday. Here's what's happening tonight. On impact, Kenny Omega and Don Callis return. Don't want to bury the lead. That's the lead story. Um, the rumor mill going around is that an Omega match will be announced. So um, Impact has the Genesis show. That's a plus special the first week of January. The second week of January, they have an actual pay-per-view. So my assumption is it would be on the pay-per-view. Um, and it looks like it'll probably be Rich Swan, but it could be Moose. So that's what John DeCani and I were talking about yesterday. Yeah, I think either one of those make good opponents for Kenny. Kenny's very versatile. He can wrestle up. He can wrestle down. He can wrestle with big guys. He can wrestle with small guys. It doesn't matter. He's going to put on a good show. Um, I agree 100%. They're not going to. They're not going to. More than likely, they're not going to waste a Kenny Omega appearance in an Impact ring that isn't a pay per view. They might have one match before the build up to kind of do that, but um, either one of them looks good. I. If it is Moose, I think you don't have a lot of time to swap that title. Um, I mean, he was very well. He, he said to them, he said to Swan straight up at the end of the pay per view, I can take this basically from you anytime I want to. So we'll see. Now, so the other thing is Moose had, and John DeCani brought this up yesterday. Moose has been walking around with the TNA World Championship for the last six months. It could be that, you know, in a manner to not get the Impact World title off of Swan. They could just have Omega challenge Moose for the TNA championship. Which so this is the weird spot that you've kind of painted Kenny into with this belt collector gimmick. Mm -hmm. If they're not legitimate belts, it loses some of the luster. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Okay, he could go in and he could take the X Division belt. Or he can take this belt or that belt or the other belt or whatever. It, it, it feels like it, it delegitimizes the quality of it. Like, if he comes out on a, uh, an AEW in two weeks and takes the FTW belt, there's going to be some people that are going to yawn a little bit at it. So <laughs> I think the quality of the belt is going to have to, you know, come into come into question a little bit if you if you get the TNA belt on him. But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting take for sure, for sure. The other uh, kind of tangentially related to this is that Chris Saban and Carl Anderson are having what I guess is their first match ever on the show, and that should be great. Yeah, which is crazy to me because they two guys that have been around for a long time. Um, you know, I've seen Chris in his indie days was was phenomenal. Um, a good talent should be a good match, and and looks like we're going back to Machine Gun. Um, yeah, and he's really pushing that narrative and stuff. So it'll be interesting if he's doing kind of a recruitment tour here for some of his good brother brother friends as well. Um, sure. Who knows if they don't drag him over to AEW and do something over on that side of it? It's it's very interesting. I I enjoy the character. A lot better than what we've seen out of him his new japan machine gun thing i think was the strongest that he was and the reason why he was so wanted and so desired so it's nice to see him kind of coming back with a little bit of that now yep. i mean he didn't beat him in the period of time that kenny told him to beat him it took him what 15 minutes of the pay-per-view or whatever but yeah the win's a win we'll take it yeah Tanil dashwood versus alicia edwards also on the card uh, manic makes his first uh, appearance since winning the x division championship He's facing TJP, or TJP, his manic. He's facing Chris Bay. Uh, and then the knockouts tag division, Taya Valkyrie and Rosemary are taking on Steels and Kiera Hogan uh, in the knockouts tag team tournament. So that should be a pretty good pretty good match. You can't sleep on Tasha Steels and Kiera Hogan. They're, they are funny, and Taya Valkyrie can go. So Yeah, without a doubt. Yep, should be a solid match for sure. Okay, now tomorrow on Dynamite, 
I'm going to cover Dynamite with Travis today. I'll cover NXT with Ale tomorrow. But here's the lineup for Dynamite. We have Hangman Page, Alex Reynolds, and John Silver versus Matt Hardy and Private Party. Um, Travis, that's a, that's a match where you have on one side Hangman's kind of reluctant tag team partners with the Dark Order. On the other side, you have Matt Hardy and Private Party, which are kind of falling apart at the seams. So, yeah, it seems like a bit of a mess. Um, you know, it's another Dark Order recruitment thing. You know, we saw what they did with Boom Boom with Colt Cabana, and Colt's kind of faded off to the side, and we haven't seen much of that. This is kind of another run. They're taking more of a comedic angle, I think, with it with Adam Page. Um, who knows what can happen in this match? Um, I mean, I think there's probably going to be some, some, maybe some funny spots or something like that. I don't, I don't believe that the Dark Order is going to recruit Adam Page. Um, it, it could happen. It seems very off character. It seems pretty off brand. Um, and maybe this is the thing that ionizes the Hardys in Private Party, right? Yeah, they haven't had a lot going on, and I think there was some messiness in between the different pay per views and stuff that that they had going on. So this could be something that this win kind of strengthens that, and they push that forward, or it could be the complete total collapse. So this one's a hard one to call. Yeah, um, Cody Vert is facing in Helico. I assume this is your your method of getting Sting on the show. I don't think it's not supposed to be a competitive match. I don't think, but it'll probably be a good match, but. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it seems like an odd match again for me. I, I don't know if this is them trying to force Cody on us to get annoyed with Cody being there all the time. Because, again, there's no Darby Allen TNT title defense on this card. Yep. Like, does something happen there? Like, I don't I don't think I need to... I, as much as I enjoyed the matches, I don't need to see another Darby-Cody match right away. Um and if Sting is some kind of um, advocate for Darby, maybe maybe Sting does come out or do something here, and he's involved in that end of it. Um, but yeah, it just seemed like a very odd match. And Helico didn't have anything really going on with Cody, and Cody didn't have anything. He just grabbed yeah. somebody from the locker room and said, "Okay, I'm wrestling you, kid. Get ready." It could be a great match, though. So oh, for like... sure. And Helico is great. I mean, he's yeah. he's awesome. So. Yeah. SCU versus the acclaimed, and this is this is mainly I think to get the acclaimed some real television exposure and um, get Max Caster to do his actual entrance, and not you know just walking up to somebody rapping in the back. Um, it's probably an acclaimed victory. I mean they're on the way up. SCU is kind of on the on the fifty plus side of things, I guess. Yeah, it. it I, I agree. This is. Um... You know, this is a claim. This is an acclaimed build match for sure. Um, you're not running into the same kind of caliber that you try to do with Top Flight going up against the Bucks. Um, SCU, I think, should should probably lose this in a close match. I don't think they're gonna. You know, the kids aren't gonna stomp them most likely, but sure. yeah. Serena Deeb and Big Swole versus Diamante and Ivelisse. This is stemming off the whole Jay Cargill attacks in the back. Yeah, so is this, you know, is Ivelisse and Diamante then part of the Vicky Guerrero faction? Like I saw that, like this was this was the two groups kind of coming in at the end of that segment to then get into the scrum, so to speak. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously they don't want to pay off the Jade Cargill situation right away. Um, so this is kind of gives them a way to build more of that storyline as well. Um, I mean, all the wrestlers in here, I think, are, are pretty good. Um so it should be a decent match. And Swole hasn't been on TV for, for a while as far as in the ring and stuff. So, so And I believe she's the number one contender. I think so. Uh, I think you're right on that. I think you're right on that. It, 
I don't think Abaddon's on top, although Abaddon is clearly the next opponent. Um, I think Swoll is one or two. Yeah. Sure, that makes sense to me. The full uh, force of the inner circle is taking on Top Flight, Brandon Cutler, Varsity Blondes, and Best Friends. I put emphasis on Brandon Cutler because it's been a long time since he's been on like in a match on Dynamite. Yeah, I mean, he's got a couple of victories. He's certainly shooting up the singles charts from 40th or wherever he was a couple of months ago. <laughs> so, it's a yeah, it's a seven-on-seven seven tag match, um, which, you know, is not unheard of. There's There's been some 10v10s in Survivor Series in the past. We've had tag team. Uh, there was yep. a seven-versus-seven seven Survivor Series women's match, uh, 2013 maybe, Survivor Series. So it's a lot of people in the ring. I assume, based on precedent, this is probably the first match of the show. Um, they like to start out with a whole ton of people in the ring. Um, it, yeah, you don't want to do all those entrances because that'll take you know a bunch of time. So. It feels like this is like the the potentially the bust-up or something big could happen in this match. I mean, obviously you're not going to see, I don't think you're going to, we're going to get out of this with a, you know, best friends versus top flight angle or a varsity blondes or whatever, but. Um, yeah. It's probably Sammy Guevara versus MJF at, at New Year's smash or whatever. Right. Like. Uh, Santana's back. Um, he was absent last week. His stepdad had passed away. Um, so condolences to him. That was a big deal for him. Um, yeah. This, this could actually be the, the, the actual fuse and this this whole thing could come unwound from from inner circle completely. yeah coming out of this match you could have santana and ortiz versus top flight varsity blondes best friends any one of those you've got jericho and hager who are kind of a tag team they could be doing that then you have the implosion stuff with guevara mjf wardlow hager so definitely this match could be one that sets up some of the the new year smash matches yeah and it's nice to It'd be nice to see Santana Ortiz go back into conventional tag team wrestling. Like, just feels like we haven't seen them in that role all that often in the last, you know, six months or so. Um, and they're a great tag team, and I'd like to see more of them. But it seems like they're either one of them's on the outside of the ring or the other one's on the outside of the ring. So, yeah, let's get them yep. back in kind of the tag team hunt. So and then we're also running back uh, a, a match that we've seen previously Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela in the No DQ World Title Eliminator. This is to take place of the fact that Joey Janela should have been in the tournament. Um, instead, Sonny Kiss got swapped in and lost in about 30 seconds or so to the. Yeah, that was a Kenny statement statement match. And that's where the, the, the Kenny meme face comes from. Um, so I was at that show in Boston when they did the dark match for that. And it was. Uh, I didn't think Joey Janela had that wrestling match in him. And boy, they for a dark match, they kind of tore the house down. It was it was. You know the the crowd in Boston was tired, but there was a whole lot of energy for that. Um, it, it was uh, it was a crazy spectacle of a match. No DQ as well, um, and there were some spots in it that were just pretty incredible. Um, it it certainly changed my parameters or my my mindset on what I thought about Joey Janela as a wrestler and Kenny Omega's Kenny Omega. So yeah, and I think this was the right way to go. Sure, right? you make it a no DQ match, and then it's it's in Joey's wheelhouse and. Mm -hmm. You, it opens up possibilities, it, um, and it's it's a reason for a match too, right? Like this this feels so different for me than the the Cody and the Angelico thing, where this calls back to he didn't get a chance at the at the tournament. 
There's a reason why you've got your title holder defending this. This is ultimately where it ended up. So it's a callback of things that happened weeks ago, but they go back to it instead of burying it, which I think is, is, is good storytelling and it's a good opportunity for sure. 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 Okay. That's dynamite. That's impact. That's raw. Now let's talk about new Japan wrestle kingdom. We've got nine matches. Shows aren't until January 4th and until January 5th, but I think a lot more will get announced between now and then. So let's kind of slow walk this through. Um, night one, best of the Super Junior winner, Hiromu Takahashi faces the Super J Cup winner, El Phantasmo. The winner will face Taiji Ishimori on the next night. Um, it's interesting. I, you know, I, I, something probably should have seen this coming the whole, the whole time when they when they plan two junior tournaments and we've got two nights of Wrestle Kingdom that they would have done this, but it, it wasn't really visible until the, until it happened. Sometimes it, you know, for as much as we think we're real, real bright about this stuff and we're right into the, we're right into watching everything. Some of the most obvious stuff, you know, and I was listening to the show yesterday with John on there and like talking about how, you know, TJP came out in his, in his other, persona and he won it and like oh gosh you know it was right in front of my face and it's not so obvious this feels kind of the same right like oh okay this makes a lot of sense now yep yep um if elp wins and he faces taiji ishimori it's bullet club versus bullet club yeah um we could see that and that could that could certainly happen um it's interesting there's a there's a story that's that could be told there and 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 bullet club has been you know around but certainly not what it once was it doesn't feel like that um doesn't feel like it was before but you know it feels like each faction kind of gets their run of a year too right like the empire's certainly put its flag in the sand uh this year but yeah that would be that would be an interesting story to kind of tell um i don't know i i think it's Personally, I think it's Hiromu going through both of these matches and winning, but we'll see. Yeah, it, it, it's so on the anniversary show, which will be in March. They will they will have the junior champion versus the world champion, and if somehow Naito were to survive both nights of Wrestle Kingdom, Naito versus Hiromu, they wanted to do that match last year, mm-hmm. so I could see them doing you know setting it up to do that. I don't think Naito is going to get through both nights, but it does feel like Hiromo is going to beat Phantasmo, and then he should get a win over Ishimori, unless they want to elevate him. That's the only thing. Yeah. You know, if they want to elevate Hiromu out of junior heavyweight, then maybe not. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I didn't think about that. I mean, Hiromu. The IWGP Tag Team Championships are on the line. Zack Saber and Tai Chi are defending against the Gorillas of Destiny. They are the World Tag League winners. Um, Saber and Tai Chi have had the belts a long time, and God hasn't been around a lot, and now they're back. Um, they are the they are really like the only true tag team. I think I, when I when I look at it, you can always put two guys together, but those guys are tag team wrestlers, mm-hmm. and they're the only two I think in the whole company. Yeah, and depending on how things go, uh, you it'd be nice for Bullet Club to have a belt. So if they had that um, coming out of the rest of the card and looking at this, I think it gets a little bit sloppier. Um, we'll see. I mean, obviously Jay White has as good a shot as anybody else. Sure. Um, but yeah, that that is true. And I mean, it's it's weird to look at New Japan's roster and, and, and say that, but it is they have such good 
singles wrestlers that they can throw any two people together. But yeah, they're they're God is is a real true tag team, and that's you know we don't see a lot of that other than like Show and Yo, right? Like right, yep on the on the junior side yep. in the lower yeah. Now you got your your empire matches, which I know you're excited about. Hiroshi Tanahashi versus the Great Okan, and Kazuchika Okada versus Will Osprey. Yeah, I mean these are going to be. I mean Osprey Okada is obviously, you know that's that's a showstopper match every single time. Great Okan is has been a has been a nice addition. Um, Tanahashi, you're bringing him out. He's everybody's favorite dude, and Great Okan is the. The miserable great Okan, um, which is why I love him. Um, <laughs> both should be great matches. I mean, the Okada match, the Okada Osprey match will be Okada Osprey. Like they're two of the best wrestlers in the entire planet. So, the Tanahashi match, uh, the whole last year has basically been: Does Tanahashi still have it? Can he still go? Is it time to hang it up? Should he be wrestling with Kojima in the opener? Those are the kind of conversations that Kevin Kelly's having with with Gino and Chris Charlton during the show. Who needs the win more? I mean, is it Tanahashi or is it Great Okana? I'm not sure. It depends on where you're going to take Tanahashi from here, right? Um, In, in, in my, in my show notes, I have empire takeover question mark, right? Mm -hmm. So they empire has certainly run through a lot of people at this point and are looking super strong. I think, I think the Okana over Tanahashi, who's, you know the the old steward of the mm-hmm. of all of New Japan is a big deal for them, and and it certainly it certainly if they try to run something where Okan hurts yeah. Tanahashi during the match, you know mm-hmm. there's some after the match shenanigans can really put them over the top because yeah he's the you know other than Obushi the you know the flag bearer for for all of New Japan. Um, so I think it could elevate it a little bit. It'll be interesting. I'm I'm curious to see which they'll probably book Okada and Osprey after that match. But yeah, if something if something occurs where they hurt Tanahashi and they can do what Kevin Kelly's talking about with Gino and some kind of a redemption angle for him coming back after some time off and you know kind of saving the day. Now, the other thing is, what if the Ace beats Okan and then that and, and Osprey beats Okada? So then they're going to set up Tanahashi versus Osprey, and then Osprey could have a victory over Okada and Tanahashi in rapid succession, which really elevates him to the top. That's the other thing. Yeah, which is where he should really be. Like, yeah, like, well, like Okada as much it, as everybody else, but let's, yeah. It just gives them a reason to give him a title shot. You know, he beat the the two, you know, aces of the company essentially. Yeah, yeah, that is that is true. You could see that. I think you, and and I don't think. Okan losing to Tanahashi, I don't think buries him. Um, especially if there's, they could set that up so that he could lose. They still smash him. So Tanahashi goes into the match against Osprey a little weak, and yeah. Osprey gets the win that way um, to set that up. So yeah, I, I don't have an issue with with either one of those. I don't I don't think Okada beats Osprey, which is I don't think Okada's beaten Osprey this year. So yeah, I think Osprey's going to win that for sure. Yeah. The uh, IWGP Intercontinental Heavyweight Double Championship, Naito versus Ibushi on night one. Um, I see Ibushi winning this. I think it's a lot more compelling match, Ibushi versus Jay White on day two, than Naito versus Jay White. We've kind of seen that before. Um, Ibushi's won the G1 two years in a row. Like, (laughs) yeah, give the guy some gold. And boy, here. 
he really falls down, I think, in a lot of people's eyes. Like, what? He'll never be able to win the big one if he doesn't get it here. Yeah, I I agree with that. And um, they 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 still they need to do something to split up these belts. <laughs> yes, they do. But they got to find a way to get one off of another, whether it's you know tournament number forty-seven for them or whatever the case may be. But yeah, there has to be a way to split these belts up a little bit now that they. Well, if you give it to Ibushi, Ibushi is kind of more more of a baby face than Naito. And I could see Ibushi saying, I want to create an opportunity, you know, sure. kind of like Keith Lee did with the North American title. Yep. You, you could see that kind of thing playing out. Mm-hmm. I um, agree with that. Let's roll into night two. We have Shingo Takagi defending the Never Championship against Jeff Cobb. This should be a really, really great match. Yeah. Uh, two big bruiser, beefy guys. Um, both of them athletic I mean, Cobb's one of my favorite, like him coming over to Empire was obviously that tilted that a little bit, but man, uh, yeah, two guys that can just brawl, basically. Yeah, yeah. And then the next match I have down is uh, Evil versus Sonata. And I've been wondering all year as Evil was wrestling Naito, I'm like, why aren't they running Evil versus Sonata? It's the logical story. They were tag teams for years. A bunch of times they won World Tag League. Well, this is why, I guess, they waited for Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, um, to do the blow off here, it's it's it is kind of too bad that it's, I guess, essentially not for anything really. There's nothing on the line here, but yeah, it is a that is a good time to to put this match in here. It the thing about the two of them with their history, they don't have to have anything on the line to make it a good match because there's all the history that's there. Yeah, you know, so it makes a ton of sense to put it where they did. Yeah, and I I mean, evil I think is going to be where he's going to be no matter what. Sonata, I think, has more upside than where he is right now. So I feel like Sonata needs the win. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that too. Evil had a nice, a nice run with the turn and things like that. Uh, that he's been, that he's kind of been gliding on, and Sonata really didn't do anything uh, in that manner. Although his, his G one is pretty good. So yep. Uh, Taiji Ishimori defending the title against either Fantasmo or or Takahashi. We already talked about that. Yep. And then the final match of Wrestle Kingdom will be. The double championship. Whoever wins, Naito or Ibushi versus Jay White. Yeah, are you calling a Jay White win here? I mean, I'd love that. My heart says Jay White, but my my soul says Ibushi walks out of here with a with with both the belts for for all the reasons that we said. I don't think we're going to see a one day Ibushi run. It feels like we're going to see the titles on him for a little while. As much as I'd love to see Jay with the belts, and I think it's interesting, it's part of the reason why I think God does end up winning that tag match to give the Bullet Club those belts, and Ibushi walks out with with both the titles and a you know happy beginning of 2021 um, gives. I mean, Jay, it doesn't matter what happens to Jay White. Jay White's going to be Jay White, and you know he can challenge for basically any title that he wants, whenever he wants, and he doesn't have to have the titles on him. It, it is, I, I firmly believe it's more interesting to have a heel hold the titles and a face. But I think this is Ibushi's time, and I think he gets a two-day two-day win and and kind of runs away with it. Yeah, I, it's been a long time since they had like a pure babyface type of champion, um, so it kind of makes sense to me that it, it goes to this this way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all right. That covers Wrestle Kingdom. Um, we are in overtime. That's okay. We make the rules. Um, so I've got a couple of news items that we're going to get into. So let me play our intro there.
Today's news brought to you by the Body Slam Brigade newsletter, where you can get a weekly recap of the week's top stories authored by me for you for free. Sign up now at bodyslambrigade.com. My first two stories, Travis, are about Stone Cold Steve Austin and uh, preview for you when we do trivia here in about four minutes. It's going to be Steve Austin's 1998 to 99 run of WWF or E, whatever it was at the time. Uh, champion. So a couple of easy questions in there, but might be a little hard in the middle. So yeah, WWE wasn't my thing back then. So I was a WCW guy for sure, which is why probably I'm an AEW guy as well. So, <laughs> so straight up Steve Austin returns for another season starting on January 11th. Looks like Charlotte Flair, Brett Favre and others will be on this season. Did you watch any of the, any stuff last year? No, I didn't. Nope. Nope, I didn't. Get a couple. I mean, it's like a you know we're gonna go ride big trucks and blow things up type of show. Well, with... You know what? I did see one episode. I saw the Becky Lynch one where that's what they were doing. They were throwing axes and riding four wheelers yep. or doing whatever, and I, I thought that was interesting. Um, I think she's throwing them at the end. I always want those shows to be more who the person is rather than the character, and at least watching that, it didn't. I didn't get that from Becky. I still felt like I was watching Becky Lynch the character a little bit. And I'm more like, okay, give me a little bit more behind the curtain stuff as opposed to, oh, she's being the rough and tumble girl that's going yeah. out here to throw axes. You get a little bit more of that in the uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. episode, I think. Yes. Yep. I would agree with that too. Yep. So good for, good for Steve. He's got a second season of that. This time he's got a Charlotte Flair. That should be interesting. Um, anyway, second Stone Cold story is that the Broken Skull Sessions uh, return on the WWE Network this weekend. Drew McIntyre will be his guest. I believe that's set to air either right before or right after TLC. So um, if it's afterwards and McIntyre doesn't win the championship or keep the championship, it'll kind of suck the air out of that interview. But yeah. So those, those shows I really enjoy because I feel like it does exactly what I want from a fan when I'm getting that in-depth interview. And like, you know, I listen to Austin's podcast and stuff and he does a good job, but I think he it, got his, the presentation of him on the table with kind of a, a, a an empty studio, so to speak, take. And he gets in there and doesn't like the, the two taker ones. He'll ask any question that he wants and they'll answer it. And and Steve has that kind of respect. It'll be the, the Drew McIntyre one is less interesting to me than what we saw from him with the other things in the first season. Um, but maybe there'll be something really good about that. So I'm going to watch it just, because I want to see the perspective that Steve's going to take with him as far as that interview goes. Um, so it, it should be an interesting one that I wouldn't normally be a, care about tuning in for, but I'll definitely, definitely want to see what he has to say. Cause maybe it'll give me a different perspective on Drew. Yeah. It's interesting because uh, I think this might be the first one he's done with a current roster person. I mean, everybody's on Jerry Lawler and it's on Kane. He's on the undertaker. You yep. know, yep. Those type of people, but and he's done big show. So, uh, okay, that, that covers up the Steve Austin news. AEW announced Monday that reenact their, their stars are going to be reenacting scenes of a Christmas story, beginning airing on Christmas Eve during this tw- annual 24-hour marathon of the original movie on both TNT and TBS. Uh, MJF's going to be Ralphie, and Jericho will be Santa Claus, et cetera, et cetera. So. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I saw some of the stuff on Instagram. The outtakes of it and stuff like that looked pretty cute. It's a, it's a, it's a cool way to kind of have them 
interweave their characters in between that 24 hour thing that they do with Christmas story. So I, yeah, I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. And then my last thing is if you are a figure collector, go get a W unrivaled Two. They are back in stock. Probably not. Okay. Are you ready for trivia? I am. Okay. Stand by. Today's trivia is brought to you by my new book called The Wins and Losses. It's over a thousand pages at this point. I've tracked more than 400 wrestlers from the main roster, NXT, Impact, AEW, Ring of Honor throughout the year. This book has all the 2020 win loss data I've collected on those wrestlers. It's an intense amount of detail. Pre order yours now for $10. Price goes up to 20 and 1 1. Travis, we've talked about trivia. Your topic, Steve Austin. The rules five questions. Simple majority correct gets you the W. If you win, you get the Goldberg Oscar Award. If you lose, you get a Hawkins. Are you stretched and ready? As ready as I will be. All right. We'll start you out kind of kind of easy here. Steve Austin won the, his first WWF championship at by defeating this man at WrestleMania 14. Was it A, Bret Hart, B, Shawn Michaels, C, The Undertaker, or D, Psycho Sid? A, Bret Hart. It was Shawn Michaels at oh. WrestleMania 14 with Tyson as the special enforcer. Oh, yes, Cold Stone. I forgot. Yes. Yep. Yes, Cold Stone Tyson. Okay. I thought that was one you'd get <laughs> so we might be off to a, a rough start here we're gonna have a hard time with this one that's austin okay i'll three. take the hawkins okay. yeah that'll be okay. that's okay austin's reign would last only 90 days before he lost the title to this man at the 1998 king of the ring was it a kane b the undertaker c mankind or d triple h he lost it at what the 98 king of the ring king of the ring gonna say it was kane this was a first blood match which didn't serve steve well considering he was wrestling a man with a mask and a full body suit kane miraculously both mick foley and the undertaker who had wrestled the famed hell in a cell match where mick was tossed off and through the cage earlier in occurred earlier in the evening and they did a run in that's right steve won the title back the next night on raw yeah kane only had it for like four minutes yep 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 poor guy now, that title reign only lasted 89 days. Austin defended the title against these two people in a triple threat match, and both of them covered Austin for the pin. Mr. McMahon happily declared the title vacant after the match. Was it A, The Rock and Ron Simmons, B, Kane and The Undertaker, C, The Big Show and McFoley, or D, Triple H and Chris Jericho? D, Triple H and Chris Jericho. It was Kane and The Undertaker. They Perfect. hit Austin with a double choke slam at WWE Breakdown on September 27th. Both covered Austin for the pin. Oof. And then The Rock would win the world title at Survivor Series in the Crooked Tournament. Yep. yep. Uh, okay, you are one for three. Yes. Last two, last two are, are must-haves. Um, and I don't think this is a terribly easy question. Perfect. <laughs> so, Steve Austin would eventually win the title back at WrestleMania 15 with a victory over The Rock. His title reign would again be short, just at 55 days, because Shane McMahon acted as a special guest referee and used a fast count toward this man for the championship on May 23, 1999. Was it A, The Undertaker, B, Kane, C, Mankind, or D, The Rock? Mankind? The Undertaker. 
perfect. Held the title, who uh, who held the title for just thirty five days before losing it back to Austin. Okay, one for four. You you have confirmed the Hawkins Award. So uh, let's just see if you can get this last question. Um, hopefully, it's a layup. Uh, Austin debuted on the January eighth episode of Raw back in nineteen ninety five. It was on this debut, the episode, that Austin was awarded the Million Dollar Championship. Well, the Steve Austin name may have been well known to everyone, WWE officially referred to him by what nickname? The Ringmaster? The Ringmaster, that's correct. Okay, you went two for five, so that means you get the Hawkins. All right, I'll take Hawkins. He's pretty fine. <laughs> that's fine, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, tomorrow's show, we have Al Carl joining us to talk about the news of the day, whatever happens on Impact, and we'll preview the NXT show. Um, and then also, John, uh, Al and I will be on the Essential Wrestling Podcast this evening to make our picks for the week and our official picks for WWE TLC. Uh, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>